Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Mike Parker, a farmer and marketer who's helping farmers and ranchers sell online. In recent years, more farmers and ranchers have gone the direct-to-consumer route to not only better connect with consumers, but to increase their profits. The hard part of going this route is figuring out where to start. To fix this, Mike has created an online course as well as a coaching program to help farmers navigate marketing in the digital world. In our conversation today, Mike and I will talk about why farmers should consider going direct-to-consumer, the challenges of growing a brand online, and how to design a marketing funnel around your ideal customer. We'll also talk about the major benefits of pre-selling products like whole chickens or beef, value stacking products, what Mike learned from Joel Salatin's book, and the importance of selling solutions, not products. This episode is great for any farmer who's been toying with the idea of selling online, and for consumers, it's a great look at all the marketing challenges faced by today's family farms. When the show's over, check out the links in the description to learn more and to connect with Mike. And don't forget, this episode is brought to you by our quarterly sponsor, agcareers.com. To explore the ample career opportunities in the agriculture and food industries, visit agcareers.com. Now, please welcome to the show, Mike Parker. I think the first time I saw something of yours... It was a Facebook or an Instagram ad, and it was talking about your whole your whole direct farm roadmap thing. And I was like, oh, this is great. Because I mean, like, I feel like courses online have exploded in the past two or three years. And so it's great that, you know, it's happening in the ag world, too. So like, how exactly did you get into like making that? Like what what drove you to making that course? Yeah, so that's, you know, a little bit of a long story. I'll, I'll, I'll try to condense it as much as I can. Um, you know, my background's in business. I went to school for business marketing. 
Um, done a lot of different things, started a few different businesses. I actually ran some different agencies. I did video work for quite a while. Um, you know, told, told brand stories and, you know, actually did some destination weddings and a little bit of that kind of stuff. Um, and then through COVID started farming myself personally. So I don't know if we connected Hmm. up on that. Um, but I personally have a pastured poultry, pastured pork. I did some lambs this year and we also do some, some, um, some eggs. And so I personally had that operation and then started to kind of put two and two together, right. About my previous skills and knowledge. Um, you know, with the farming world that I now was a part of and learning and growing so much in. And then and then it just was a natural combination. Like you said, that course creation world, online education, that piece is growing so much. So to be able to take my background and take those experiences, take that knowledge, those skills, package them into a course and then offer them, you know, to farmers and people looking to farm and, you know, sell the products direct to consumer was kind of a no brainer for me. So it sounds like you were kind of, I mean, like you said, you started farming then like, did it kind of, did the inception start whenever you're trying to figure out like, Hey, how do I sell this pasture pork, this pasture chickens? Like, how do I sell this? Is that kind of when the wheels started turning? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you know, we started farming kind of through COVID. I know a lot of people did. I'm a first generation farmer. Um, you know, it started with the mm-hmm. Google search for me. It was like, how, how do I <laughs> raise food and, you know, for a family of four. Right. And looking through the logistics of that and what it takes for a family, you know, of four to be fed for a year, I think I came across like a half beef, you know, two or three hogs, maybe, you know, 70 chickens, something, something along those lines. And then I started, went down the rabbit hole. I'd had pastured poultry profits um, on my bookshelf for a long time um, by Joe Salison. So I dove back into Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then like you said, you know, it's like, okay, I, I know how to sell things online. I've never sold farm products or I've never sold meat off the farm. So there are some things to figure out on the production. And for me, that was the biggest learning curve. Uh, as far as marketing digital products, building a brand, building email list, um, you know, marketing funnels, all those things. I just applied those previous skills and knowledge and they, they translated well. And I was able to sell, um, you know, grow the farm brand really quickly. We were able to sell out. I mean, every time we had processing dates, we sold and sold and sold out. Um, and then I was able to help some of my friends. I've got several farmers that, you know, farm around me and was able to help them and kind of implement some of the same stuff. And that's when I was like, man, I, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of onto something. There's definitely a need here. That's awesome. Okay. I want to pick your brain on this a little yeah. bit because I've been trying to rework mine a little bit. And that's the whole concept of a marketing funnel. So what is a marketing funnel? What does yours look like? Yeah. So marketing funnel can be a lot of things, right? At the end of the day, if you, if I were to give you like the textbook definition, it's just taking customers from point A to point B. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, what our objective is during that point A to point B, obviously for farmers, it's to, you know, convert them into a sale of farm products, you know, for different businesses might be different things. Uh, At the end of the day, when they start at the top of that funnel, we're calling them cold prospects, right? So there's, there's different types of funnels, different level of funnels. Um, I, I'd say from, from, a, from a basic standpoint, we're starting with cold prospects. These are prospects that know nothing about you. They know nothing about your podcast. They know nothing about the listener's farm products that they're farming or raising, growing, trying to sell, right? So they're first introduced to you at what we call the top of funnel. And from here, they're going to go through a series, whether that's landing pages, email marketing, it might even be content on social media, but they're being warmed up to you, right? They're learning about you. They're learning about what it is you do, what you have going on, um, things that are important to you, things that you're speaking on. And then through that process, they're building connection with you. They're connecting with your brand. They're learning about you. Um, and, they ha- and they're starting to build that sense of connection, which ultimately we're re- leading them to this bottom of funnel where now they're not a cold prospect anymore. Now they're a warm prospect. Um, and then, you know, ultimately converting them into a sale. 
So that's that's f- really really good advice. And I've been following a bunch of people. I listened to a guy. He has the creative the creative con. I forget what his podcast is. I need to look it up. But the um, creator science. That's it. His name yeah. is Jay Klaus, and he was talking about marketing funnel earlier. And I haven't really had anything like set in stone, you know, where it's like I have Facebook to get engagement, then the website, then the newsletter, then the podcast. And so it sounds like the marketing funnel is really a very intentional way to capture people's attention and get them to, you know, first, obviously know about your brand and then eventually get them to buy from your brand. So it seems like you have to be very intentional about how that funnel works. Oh, absolutely. I, I tell people what something I preach to all, you know, my clients all the time is sell solutions and not problems. Um, mm. and, you know, you know, it sounds a little tricky, but really at the end of the day, what, what's really important about funnels, because I started kind of through a marketing lingo in there, but it applies <laughs> to funnels so much because during that whole funnel process, no matter what we're putting these people through, if we're putting them through email marketing, if we're putting them on landing pages, if we're targeting or speaking to them in any type of way, we want to speak to them in a way that connects with things that they care about. Right. Um, so I talk to farmers all the time about this and something I know as a farmer myself, you know, like we want to post on social media about what we're doing and things that matter to us. And obviously our our farming practices are super important. You know, I'm all about transparency in that, you know, personally for our farm. And I definitely advocate that for farms. Um, but at the end of the day, our customers or potential customers are going to put this food on their dinner table. Do they care about our farming practices? Sure, they care. Um, should they care? Absolutely. But to a certain degree, they have their own life, their own desires, their own things going on. And so if mm-hmm. we can position our brand and our products to them in a way that's going to solve those problems for them, maybe it's a mom, right? And, you know, providing, you know, clean food that she can trust on her dinner table, um, easy, right? Um, for a family of four or, you know, however many kiddos she's got running around, uh, that's a big deal. And so throughout this whole funnel, you talked about, you know, really being intentional. If we're able to speak to that mom throughout this funnel, again, on our website, on our email marketing, in our messages that we're, you know, corresponding with her, if we're able to speak to her um, in a manner that, you know, relates to the things she cares about, we're going to, we're going to go a long way in building that trust and connection with our farm brand and ultimately, you know, make more sales. So how does it go? You hear this term a lot, um, the avatar, like our, our perfect um, customer, like what all goes into, to building that avatar? Like I know, I mean, for, for farmers, really, I guess you could say, a farmer would want everybody to be a customer, but I mean, that's not inevitably going to happen. So like, how exactly do you focus on who your perfect customer is? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was actually working on some of that stuff today for some of the content I was building out. Nice. Uh, It's kind of fresh on the mind. So that's, that's nice. Um, You know, it's, I primarily work with farmers that are selling meat products direct to consumer. Um, I've worked mm-hmm. with produce farmers, a lot of market gardeners, um, even even some people that are doing you know bee products and selling you know some different you know um, value added products. But at the end of the day, um, for farmers that are selling their meat products, whether it's beef, pork, chicken, lamb, you know whatever that looks like, direct to consumer. You know, getting really dialed in about who you're selling to. You you brought it up. Like yes, everyone's hungry. Everyone needs food. But at the end of the day, wherever I put my efforts, right, either that's marketing dollars, it's my time making social media posts, my time writing up an email, I want to make sure that the content I'm putting out there is created for that, you call it, you said that customer avatar, that, you know, that ideal customer, that dream customer, I like to call it, right? Um, and there's several reasons why that's super important. You know, one, you know, as small independent farmer myself, um, you know, which is, I, I, I'd say probably... Uh, 
40% of the farms I work with are small, independent, first-generation farmers. I'd say the other 60% you know, are multi-generational, a little bit larger operations, that sort of thing. So the, the, uh-huh. the dynamic changes a little bit between the two. But for the most part, um, you know, if we're doing paid advertising, email marketing, you know, whatever that looks like, we want to make sure that we're really dialed in, you know, on who it is that we're, that we're reaching out to and, you know, the margins that, you know, it takes us to grow something, you know, they're going to be tighter, um, than the margins it is for someone that's growing on a commercial level or in a commercial house, um, and, and that type of, you know, that type of system. So at the end of the day, typically our products are more expensive, Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we got to have customers that are willing to pay those products. So if we're not super dialed in about the people who want those products and who are seeking those products out, then we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, right? We're trying to sell a product to someone that is never going to buy it in the first place. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, the market is so, it's so weird. Like, who would you say are, who would you say is the competition um, for those farmers that are working with you? Yeah, I'm sorry. You said the competition? Yeah, yeah. Who would that be? Competition as... As in like, who are they kind of not really marketing against, but are they competing against like, you know, like a town's butcher shop yeah. or like a yeah. Publix or a Walmart or something like that? Yeah, I definitely say the grocery stores, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say the local butcher shops, you know, at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, farmers that are selling direct to consumer, I think their biggest battle is convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even, even if we're offering, we're growing a great product, it might be a pasture raised product, uh, you know, might be something that is, you know, just a high value added product, whatever that looks like. At the end of the day, typically it's harder to get our products than it is stopping at the grocery store, right? So even if a customer wants to buy our products or they're seeking out the products that we're raising, whether that's beef, chicken, you know, pork, whatever that looks like, you know, if they stop at the grocery store and that item's sitting there and they're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not going to drive out to the farm or go to the farm stand or wherever it looks like, I'll just grab it here. So convenience mm-hmm. is definitely, you know, I'd, I'd say the biggest um, obstacle that farmers have to, to, you know, overcome. And yeah, and kind of going about going, going against that. Um, like I know when it comes to direct to consumer, there's a bunch of different options. You can either sell it directly to consumers or ship it to them. You yep. can do farmers markets, farm stores, stuff like that. So what advice do you have on people that are trying to decide which avenue to go down? You know, um, that's, that's a great question. There's really kind of a, you know, there's a lot on the board there, right? Depending on the farm mm-hmm. and the operation and what you have access to. Um, you know, one big thing for me coming from a digital marketing background is the ability to scale, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you can only, as a farmer, you're wearing all the hats already, right? You're, you're out there, you're growing the product, you know, you're raising the livestock, you know, you're out there late at night when you need to be, you're selling, you're marketing the product, you're running the finances, you're doing it all. Um, so if you can put yourself in a spot where you can sell product and not take more of your time, that's a win-win. Um, I kind of tell everybody, look, you know, it's, I look at it like spokes in the wheel, right? You know, websites great, but it's not the only thing you can't have a website and not have good word of mouth marketing. Right. So as far as, you know, where to sell, I think diversity is, or being able to diversify your sales outlets is huge for farmers. Um, I personally really like being able to sell online, have farm pickup. I think farm pickup, super convenient. People want to be able to come out at the farm, see the farm. Typically, the farmers live on the farm um, so have mm-hmm. some type of farm stand or place to pick up. So I think that's a win-win. If you can build you know, your own customer database that's kind of willing to come out to you to buy from you, you're winning on so many different levels there. Um, you mentioned shipping. I think shipping is great. There's definitely some hurdles there in getting started um, and what that whole, that whole piece looks like. 
Um, you know, wholesale stuff is even an option. You know, I know we're talking, I, I typically really help farmers grow their direct to consumer sales, um, their retail mm-hmm. sales. But at the end of the day, a lot of the farmers I work with, they sell a lot wholesale and that's not going to mm, change. Okay. And, and I'm not trying for that to change at the end of the day. You know, if we look at an operation, you know, you know, looking at like a pie, right, they might sell 40%, you know, wholesale and the rest retail. And so they're able to diversify their sales outlets, you know, through those. So I think that's a great thing. I think wholesale also lets farmers be able to grow, helps you scale. It says, hey, you know what? I know I have this this base foundation right here that's already kind of pre-sold or I've got a contract on, and then I can grow X on top of it. And then, you know, a lot of the different outlets we've talked about, um, you know, work. I know, you know, like farmers markets, things like that, they're great. Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely... I, I, when I talk to farmers about those type of events or those type of sales outlets, you know, I encourage them to, you know, build their own system, build their own networks. So they don't have to rely on those. Now, if they're going to those and they're in a really successful market, it's really good for them and they enjoy going. That's kind of the biggest thing, I guess. They enjoy going to the market. They enjoy connecting with those customers out there and having those conversations with real people, which is huge. Again, you can't replace that word of market, you know, that word of mouth marketing. Then by all means, keep going to the market, um, you know, but just realize that, you know, it's not always scalable for you to continue to do that. So I, I definitely kind of lean towards more of those scalable options, like selling online, um, you know, more of those things. It's interesting how it's not really one size fits all, like what works for one farm might not work for another. I mean, there are so many farms I know that they only sell at farmer's markets and that's super profitable for them. And then yeah. some that try it and it's just miserable. So it's, I guess, I mean, like you're saying, like you've got to diversify, see what works for you, what doesn't. Um, so I know a family farm, you probably know Lazy Acre Farms in Mariana, Florida. Yeah, I know. I've, I know the name. Yeah. It's the Zigglers. Yeah. I think okay. yeah, Ryan Ziggler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They've got a farm store in Mariana that they have and people go there and then they come down here to Panama City, Florida and they, they do the farmer's markets every Saturday and that's their audience and they do yeah. it and they are super good. They are, have a very passionate fan base and they figured out what works for them, which is sure amazing and so it's fun to kind of see once those farmers hit those strides and they found their audience like it seems really the sky's the limit with how much they can grow sure and you take someone like that you know who like you said has they've got a brick and mortar location they're doing really well Mm -hmm. with it people are coming there Um, but you even you even put a really good email marketing strategy behind something like that um, to you know just alert people about sales going on or different events or different things Um, and so that's where you know some of that digital marketing uh, can really enhance stuff that farms are already doing. And so that's what I've been really passionate about doing is, is helping farmers grow. Right. Um, as I got into farming, I really, you know, I, I really have a passion for helping farmers. I mean, the, as a first generation farmer, I didn't have land to inherit, right. Um, mm-hmm. getting into farming is hard. Um, you know, starting with infrastructure is hard. I think the direct to consumer path offers first generation, small independent farmers, a path towards farm ownership and a profitable farm. Um, and I think it offers the multi-generational farms that we kind of talked about, um, that are larger operations, uh, you know, an opportunity to to diversify, um, and, you know, build some sustainability for the future. And I want to see American farms succeed. I want to see American farmers succeed. So I'm, I'm kind of like team farmer, right? You know, whatever I can do to help farmers, you know, sell more of their products at retail prices, I'm all for it. No, I don't blame you. That's awesome. And so last thing, not really last thing, but whenever I think of direct to consumer, I think about, um, you know, shipping across the country. Yeah. Like whenever somebody wants to go that route, they want to try it. Do you recommend, I don't know, like a radius where they should maybe experiment first instead of saying, hey, 
I'm in Florida. Let's see if we can get an audience in Oregon. Like, do you yeah. think they should rein it in a little bit? Yeah. So shipping is, you know, it's kind of a beast in and of itself, um, you know, depending on the size of the operation and how much, you know, product they're producing on a monthly basis and what that looks like, figuring out shipping schedules. You know, it's super helpful if someone does want to start shipping, um, you know, to, to possibly do that biweekly. Um, or just on Mondays mm -hmm. or even once a month um, to help with just, there's a lot of different things that go into shipping. We're talking about coolant, you know, dry ice is kind of the preferred, you know, coolant for shipping meats and keeping them cool, you know, at temperature. And, th and that dry ice can be tough to source. You know, there's minimum order quantities if you're getting that, you know, commercially or through wholesale channels. Um, if you're having to, you know, drive to Publix and pick up dry ice, when it's available or, you know, at another grocery store supplier, it can be tough. So that's kind of a, you know, one thing is figuring out that, you know, just the, the um, volume that's going out on a regular basis. And then to, to your question, as far as where you're shipping to, yes, you know, absolutely. I mean, um, there's a lot of different discounts you can get. I, I personally, through my program, um, I, I set people up on the Shopify platform. Mm, and okay. you know, so Shopify does a lot of discounts, you know, on shipping, it's kind of built into the, to the platform. I think they get like 80% off of, you know, shipping through all the carriers to their partner program. But now that you're getting the shipping labels at a discount, you know, and you, and you start to look at these different zones that you can ship to, right. That, you know, all the different carriers break, break the zones down, um, differently. And then you mm -hmm. can start to see what, what pricing per package size per weight looks like in these different areas. Um, and so I think it, you know, I, I think the whole direct to consumer movement, a lot of it is about local food. Um, so, you know, personally, I kind of have that conviction that I think local food should kind of stay local as much as possible. Now, obviously, if someone wants my food and they're, you know, they connect with me and my farm and my farm story and they want to buy my food, by all means, you know, we'll ship it to them. Right. <laughs> um, but definitely, you know, we're going to, you know, start in an area that's, you know, somewhat local, tapping into those local markets. If I have someone, you know, for myself, you know, I'm an, out, an hour outside of Atlanta. You know, so if I was working with someone like myself, you know, as a client, we'd definitely be like, hey, let's tap into that Atlanta market. We can ship into that Atlanta market for $12, your shipping label for a 40 pound box of, you know, beef. There's plenty of people right there that we can build, you know, build your business around and we can, we can be processing 30, you know, steers a month, you know, and be selling into that Atlanta market. That'd be incredible. I'm, that's something I'm always talking about on the show. It's like decentralizing our food supply chain. And I think like we have so many farms and ranches, family farms and ranches that we could really do this, especially if a lot of them start to sell direct. Um, I mean, especially with how many, like how many farms and ranches would you say would be able, would, I don't know, how many farms and ranches would have to serve Atlanta for maybe Atlanta to only eat beef within that, that radius? I, I, you know, it's a question that I don't have, you know, real numbers to, right? But you, mm -hmm. you if you, if you were in agriculture or you're around mm -hmm. agriculture, we have to be able to do it. You know, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's so many people here that are producing beef. You know, there's so many farmers that have 20, 30, 40, 50 head of cattle that are just selling them at the sale barn, right? Those are getting picked up. You know, they're going to food, you know, feedlots somewhere. They're going all across the country, right? But there's enough cattle here in our local market to feed Atlanta. There's enough chicken here to feed Atlanta. Um, we're just not set up that way. I think it's unfortunate, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, I, I would love to see it, like you say, become decentralized and, you know, really take that on and, and grow in that capacity. That'd be awesome. Um, unfortunately, it's just, it's such an uphill battle. It's really hard to see that. I mean, you see the momentum, you see people desiring local food. Um, it's just, you know, we still have a long way to go. So that decentralization is something that I really hear a lot from with Joel Salatin. And you said you've read his books. Like, what are some of the yeah. biggest takeaways 
that you've learned from him? Because we, we had him on the show months ago and it was phenomenal. Like, what are some of the biggest takeaways from him that you've had? Oh, you know, um, hmm. Not to put you, you know, on the spot because he's got yeah, a lot. No, of I, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, he does. And that's, that's kind of where, I, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing I, I'm going to, I guess, kind of almost go off farming here is just, you know, he's a great guy. You know, um, yeah. I think he carries himself really well, obviously speaks well, which is something that, you know, mm-hmm. I've, you know, tried to work on and definitely look up to him too. He speaks so well for being a farmer, communicates so well. Um, and that's, I think that's something really admirable about him um, and the field that he's in and the field that he represents. I, I, I posted a reel um, when he was at the House of Representatives talking about the, uh, I think it was HR, the Prime Act. And mm-hmm. I, it was, did a really great reel for me. It was like 2.5 million views. It was like, got me a bunch of followers was super cool on Instagram, but he communicate. I think part of that, he communicated, he advocated for farmers so well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's something that, you know, I really value a lot from him as far as growing in the farming side. I think, I think it's just that you can do it. You know, like when we, mm-hmm. when we started our farm and our, our little operation, you know, kind of coming through COVID, you know, we bought 50 meat birds. You probably heard this story before. I'm not the only one that has this story and it's come from him. And we bought 50 meat birds and, you know, raised them in the front pat, you know, front two acre pasture that we have here. Uh, and that's how we got started. And, you know, and this year we'll do a couple thousand birds, you know, so we've scaled that operation and, and been able to do that. And it's been really great for us, but it, you know, it started with him, you know, you don't basically saying you don't need all this, right. You just, <laughs> this is all you need. You can do it. And here's the steps to do it. So that's been, you know, super helpful, you know, from him. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing, um, educator and speaker on all things agriculture. And he's, he's so bold in that if there's anything wrong in the industry, he will call it out, not yeah. to, not to shame anybody, but to make the industry better and to educate everybody. I mean, That's and right. he, he shares the story about how whenever they bought their land, um, nobody wanted to buy it. They said farming would never work there. And then fast forward now it's yeah. their grass is so great. The animals love it. Like it's just such an immaculate piece of farmland. And yeah, he's like, yeah, everybody can get into farming. Like we need more people to get into farming and it's very approachable. Anybody could do it. Yeah. And you know, I, now that you said that, if I could go, go back and redo my, my answer would be, would be really would be him, him saying there's a different way to do things, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a first generation farmer, you know, I always say it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Like I didn't know how to, you know, tighten a fence. I didn't know how to, you know, put fence posts in, right? I didn't know any of these things when I started, I had to learn them, right? Um, I did, I had the digital marketing background, but I had to learn all these basic farming things, but I basically, I was starting from scratch. I was consuming as much content as I could. I was reading, I was learning. I was trying to learn how I could take care of the chickens as best as possible. Right. How, what's my brooder set up need to be like, what am I looking for? What am I watching for? Right. Once I get them out on pasture, what does that look like? And starting with someone like Joel Salatin's content. And then, you know, a lot of others that I've you know dove into as well. It's like, being able to start there and say that, Hey, there's a different way to do this than the way that everyone else is doing it. And I'm mm-hmm. definitely very appreciative, you know, of him and, and a lot of others, like I said, you know, to show that there is a different way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people kind of, you know, this is the way we've done it and this is the way we've always, will always do it. But yeah. I feel like there's kind of a trend in people like, Hey, let's try it this way. Like yeah. it's never been done. Why don't we give it a whirl and see what happens, which I love it. I mean, it's getting, you know, people are getting more bold and more risk taking, which, Honestly, maybe the pandemic kind of caused everybody to look in the mirror and it's like, hey, we need to take more risks because something like like this might happen again and we need to diversify. We need to figure out what works best for us. 
Yeah, I love it. I, I think my the biggest thing I love about farming is the ingenuity um, and trying new things. Mm. I mean, you said it. I think mm -hmm. a lot of farmers get stale, you know, because maybe they're in a you know commercial type of operation. And I'm not knocking those operations. I have a lot of friends and family that you know have those types of operations. Um, but for myself personally, being able to you know try new things, you know, like currently we're getting ready to plant an orchard um, where we're going to run our chicken tractors through an mm. orchard. Um, and kind of make little lanes, alleyways where we can run our chicken tractors through and something I'm trying out, something I think, you know, there's obviously a little bit of a benefit of, you know, having the orchard and having a little shade for the chickens, chickens being able to fertilize the ground. There's kind of that symbiotic deal going on. But at the end of the day, it's we're just we're giving it a shot. We're trying it out. You know, obviously we're small time and, you know, we're not going to you know change the world in the way that we're, you know, farming chickens over here necessarily. But the thing that is I want to kind of tie that to is marketing. Marketing is the same way. Right. I mean, Mark, you try new things. Right. You know, at the end of the day, we talked a little bit about a funnel. We talked about all these different things. And there's a lot of these things are proven systems that do work, but you've got to try new things. You can't be scared to you know, present your product in a different way or maybe on a different sales channel and then see what happens and adjust from there. I mean, that's what you do with farming. Right. You kind of you see what happens and then you make adjustments. hundred percent. That, that reminds me of the old FFA motto, um, doing to learn like, hey, yeah. we're just doing it to see what happens. We're going to learn, adapt it next year I love and it. kind of see what happens. That's awesome. And kind of going along social media, like what do you recommend to people when it comes to social media? Like, should they pick one flat platform? Should they do all of them? Should they give threads a try? Should they give up on Twitter? Like, or I'm sorry, X, I guess. Like what's, what, what's your recommendation there with social media? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I got several things, you know, coming to mind, you know, first we talked about wearing all the hats as a farmer, you know, you only have so much time. It's definitely your most mm -hmm. valuable asset. Um, you know, so not spreading yourself thin, I think, you know, putting content out there is somewhat important. Um, you know, but spreading yourself on all these different platforms, it's, it's really just not worth it because at the end of the day, these social platforms, they're not made for selling. You know, they're not made for selling farm products. They're not the best place to sell farm products. And I see a lot of farmers get frustrated trying to sell on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and Facebook and Instagram are great for building, you know, notoriety. They're great for building connection and for building um, a little bit of your brand, but they're not the mm -hmm. best places to sell. You know, that algorithm, anytime that you say, hey, you know, we've got our, you know, our whole beef shares are available. You know, they're ready for pre-order that once that algorithm knows you're trying to sell something, it's going to, it's going to suppress those posts, right? Cause the, the, the algorithm is cr created to have a social platform. It wants things that are engaging, that are, you know, that are, you know, they're funny or they're whatever they might be. And those are the things that they're pushing because they want people spending time scrolling. A lot of people aren't spending time scrolling, looking at, you know, your whole beef deposits that are available. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, I think my biggest suggestion would be to look at social media as a way to connect, um, create awareness, uh, build your brand, and then you know try to have a strategy to convert those followers into maybe that's customer contacts and email list, something like that, and then selling to them that way, maybe on a landing page and some different things you know, I can cover. I think one big thing I'd like to share, because it's something I think is a lot of value here in this, is mm -hmm. I, I, I kept saying, you know, connect to your brand, use social media to, you know, mm. connect and build brand. And I think it's so important um, to reiterate to farmers, to myself, I got to tell myself this all the time, is that branding is not your logos, it's not your colors, it's not your website, it's not all those things. Branding really, what I tell my clients, branding equals connection. 
right? Whatever you put out there, whatever you as a farmer, you as, you know, whatever it is that you have going on in your operation, things that you're personally interested in, that you're connected to, that you're sharing about on social media are the experiences and connections that people are going to feel with your brand. So for myself mm-hmm. personally and, and what that looks like, and that's the difference in a personal brand and like a commercial brand, right? So at the end of the day, people are buying from local farmers because they want to be connected with that local farmer. They want to feel that sense of connection, right? They're buying from me. They're not buying from Tyson. There's a, there's definitely a difference between one is, you know, Mike and his local farm and one is Tyson and whoever's underneath that, right? Because it's just so mm-hmm. big. So it did, so what we're looking at here is like, I'm a, I'm a father of two. I got two little girls, right? So family matters to me. Um, you know, my faith, I'm a Christian. That matters to me. Um, there's things that matter to me that I share about on my social media page. Now there's people out there that are seeking out farm products that those things matter to too. It may not matter to them and they're not going to follow me or maybe they're not going to feel as connected to me and they might feel more connected to a different follower who or different farmer who's got different interests or things that they're posting about or sharing about. But the things that matter to me in my life and a lot of the reasons I farm and the values that I have are going to, that's part of my brand. And that's, what's going to draw people and draw those connections into me and ultimately build that loyal customer base, you know, that, that we want to be able to grow food for. Now, do you think building that brand, you also have to, does consistency of your posts and your content kind of play into that brand? Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's, that's that whole, you know, there's that, that whole piece there. Right. I mean, um, I personally cannot stand social media. I wish I could delete it (laughs) on my phone tomorrow. Um, you know, I did a hundred reels in a hundred days when I kicked Mm -hmm. off, um, my social media page. And so I committed to posting a reel every single day for a hundred days. I think I made it out 30 or 40 days in or something. I, I had that Joe Salatin reel that went viral. So I got like, you know, 10,000 followers. So I was happy. That was kind of, I checked that box, right. I wanted that social proof is what mm-hmm. I wanted. I wanted that social proof for people to see my page, see the content I was putting out there. And, but hey, this guy, maybe he knows something, right? You know what I mean? He's not, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not 200 followers. So that was <laughs> kind of my my big box I checked. Um, and for me, you know, posting consistent content matters because I, you know, I want to be able to provide value and help farmers. Um, for farms, you know, there's definitely that battle of the algorithm, right? At the end of the day, I think, you know, like you said, building that brand, yes, you got to be consistent. You got to continue putting out things that matter to you, matter to your farm, um, you know, matter to, to what you're doing and things that your customers are interested in um, and, and hold high value of. But then, you know, there's kind of that catch 22 of like, you know, um, I think it's great sometimes to take a break. I think it's oh a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's great to share that. I I so something we've done with our farm is like always in the winter, and we do it like right after Christmas because I do I do this whole pre-sold season thing, which I'd love to share about if you want to hear about it. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely, it's super cool. But after the after the end of the year, we do like hey guys, we're we're taking two months off social media, like January and February. You're not going to see anything from us. You know, we hope you guys will connect with family during this time. We're going to take a break boom and make a thing about it. Right. Um, instead Mm -hmm. of just kind of disappearing. And I think, I think there's a lot of value there. I think, you know, I think personally as just a, you know, as a dad, as a husband, you know, as a, you know, farmer, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think a lot of farmers would get a lot of relief from doing that occasionally. Um, and I think your, I think your customers and followers, you know, understand, I think they, I think they get it as well. Yeah, that's so tricky in the the very busy months of, you know, October, November, December. And yeah. I've started to do that, at least take like the last three or four weeks off of December and just start anew in like the middle of January. And it's so refreshing because, I mean, you get away from it for so long and then you're like, oh man, let me go back and start making some content. 
And it kind of like, I don't know, recharges your batteries because you're, you're not getting drained all of it. So that's a good idea, though. I like it because you're encouraging everybody else to kind of take a break, not just, you know, like, here's the reason, like, let's enjoy the holidays with friends and family instead of just, you know, doing the same old, same old and checking social media every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. Let, yeah, let's talk about more about the pre-sold thing. I know that's a big thing when it comes to um, selling direct. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of throw some, you know, shameless plugs in here uh, about <laughs> my program and kind of what I do. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about providing as much value as I can. So, you know, I, I, I don't I want to share stuff that people, you know, that are listening can have some actionable steps. You know, if you guys have, you know, direct to consumer farms and you are looking into the 2024 season and you're planning and you're thinking about, you know, what that year looks like for you. Um, I think there's some really valuable stuff that I have to share here as far as pre-selling your season or pre-selling, you know, a portion of your season, um, whether that's whole and half beefs, pork, you know, chicken, whatever, um, through a program that we've done for our farm. So, you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot inside. Um, I, I think there's a lot of value here. I'll try to stay off the marketing jargon the best I can. Um, it's a little, <laughs> it's tough sometimes, but essentially what we did is we've built a program for our farm called pasture chicken for the year. Or I think we just called it chicken for the year. And so what we did is customers could allocate a certain amount of birds. It was 75 birds or 37 birds for a family of two, mm. um, you know, throughout the year. And we gave that to them in seven week intervals, basically four times a year. And so that way they didn't have as much, you know, freezer space to worry about. So, if, you know, if maybe people are doing beef or, you know, pork, maybe they can, you know, do a half at the beginning of the year, then a half at the end of the year. That way someone doesn't just get, you know, stuck with the whole, you know, I know the freezer space and money sometimes can be, a, you know, a whole thing all at one time. But the idea is that when we're, when we're coming into the beginning of the season, we do what we call like this big marketing push, right? Mm -hmm. So all through the holidays, we push chicken for the year as a fantastic, you know, option to buy for family and friends, right? So, you know, it, this would be a great gift gift to buy for, you know, whoever it is in your family that's looking, you know, to secure nutrient dense food for their entire family for 2024, right? Coming through the new year, we do a big marketing push. And this is all tip. When I say marketing push, I'm mostly talking about email blasts. So we do like this email system that's like growing, right? Like it starts mm -hmm. slow and then it's like getting more and more intense as we get closer to the new year. You know, a lot of people are making new year's resolutions and we want to, you know, again, selling solutions and not products and position our product as a great solution to that mom, you know, for us moms are, you know, that homeschooling mom is our ideal client, it's our ideal customer for most of you guys that are selling farm products direct, that will be for you too. They're the one making the decisions on the food that's going to go on the table, right? At the end of the day. So mm -hmm. we're putting this product, we're putting our chicken for the year up to them is like, Hey, are you looking, you know, to provide nutrient dense food for your family for 2024, where all our chicken for the year is a great way to go ahead and secure that. Right. So we're, we're trying to put this up there. Like, you know, um, you know, go ahead and, you know, lock down, commit to those new year, new year's resolutions, right. By buying our chicken for the year. Mm. So we're, we're presenting this product to them in that way. And then we do something, what we call, you know, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Hormozzi. Um, yep, he, yep. 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 So he created what's called like kind of the irresistible offer. Um, I don't know if he created it, but he's one that's definitely, you know, written a lot about it. And yeah, you know, for you guys that aren't familiar, if you're walked into like a hardware store or something like that, where, you know, you saw like, maybe they have a drill set and you're going to get a socket set and it's like all these things. Right. And they're all on discount and you feel like, how can I not buy that? Right. Um, and that's that idea that, that feeling that you feel like that, that deal is just too good. Like I gotta, I gotta take it. I gotta get it. 
that's that mm-hmm. irresistible offer, right? And so we, we've tried to create that with our chicken for the year. And so what we did for that is we created a system, a video training system, because I have a video background. I know a lot of farmers like, well, I can't do the video thing. And that's fine. You know, maybe there's, you know, a company that you can partner with. Maybe it's, you know, seasoning, you know, chicken seasoning or barbecue seasoning. Maybe it's a grill master kit or something like that, Mm. that you can pair. So again, we do the, we do a video training on like how to cut up all your whole chickens, how to make your own chicken stock, how to make your own bone broth, and then, you know, seasonal recipes throughout the year. So the way that we present that on our marketing funnels is when you buy the chicken for the year, when you commit to your new New Year's resolutions of providing this food for your family and buy our chicken for the year, you're also going to get training on how to cut these birds up, how to make your own chicken stock, how to do this. And so we're trying to provide value again for that mom because that's our dream customer mm. who is, those are, her, those are her goals. She wants to be able to provide that food for her family. If she can have resources to do that, then we're building, we're, we're value stacking and building that offer specifically for her, right? Um, so that's kind of, that program is a piece, a like small piece of the pie of kind of like what I teach. That's obviously taking some of the principles that I teach and applying them to a specific time period of the year around, you know, the new year and holiday time. Um, but I think there's a lot of value. And I think that, you know, without necessarily even working with me or, you know, I, you know, I, so, I have a, I have a course and a coaching program and without necessarily working with me, I think, you know, a lot of your listeners can, they can play with this. They can try this, you know, they can offer something. I think I've, I don't know if you've seen a lot of the, like, I know there was an ad out. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was good ranchers or some, one of the big, you know, um, farm delivery brands were doing something at some point where it was like, Hey, if you bought this amount of food, you also got a free like mini chest freezer. Um, Oh really? Okay. No, I didn't see that. This was a while ago and they were, they were running this as like a paid ad on social media. And that idea I, I would imagine now I'm not, I'm not saying that I know this, but I would imagine at some point they were connected with someone to be able to make that deal happen for them. And I think the same thing works for us. I have, I, I have a video background. So me making the video training made sense for me. Everyone who's listening, you have something you bring to the table. You have a connection. Maybe you know someone that, you know, makes something that's some type of cooking appliance or hardware, or maybe it's, you know, um, something with grills or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing here, but something you have something that you can offer your customers that are going to be, that's going to be valuable to them that you can offer along with your, you know, pre, you know, your pre-sold season, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, you are investing time, um, potentially money. If you were to, you know, purchase a, you know, a grilling, maybe it's a meat thermometer, right? You know, I know mm-hmm. with, with a lot of, you know, farm fresh products, right? If you can get them right to that right temperature, get them off the grill, they're going to be so much better, right? Um, they're going to be, they're fresher. They're going to be great. So maybe it's that meat thermometer. Maybe you're getting a $40 meat thermometer off of Amazon. And sure, you're investing that $40 in that meat thermometer off of Amazon to include in that bundle for your whole and half beef orders. At the end of the day, though, what does that $40 translate into you as far as conversion rates, how many more people end up buying because they're like, man, they're going to hook me up with this whole, you know, PDF about, you know, how to appropriately make my steaks and they're going to give me a meat thermometer and I'm like, I'm in, right? Yeah, that that value stacking is phenomenal because I mean, if you buy like a half beef, that's a lot of meat you got to cook and some of it you can't cook like the others. So by creating that video and those processes, you're taking so much more responsibility off the consumer's shoulders. Like I know it's more work, but those consumers are going to see, Hey, like they have done literally everything for me. I can buy the beef and they're going to give me videos on how to cook it. 
seasoning like it's all right there it's packaged as that so that's perfect and i really like the one about um the chickens because i feel like if um if somebody wanted to buy some whole chickens they'd be like well what do i do do with the bones what do i do and i don't want to waste all this money oh you can do stock you can do so much more with it so by providing that i feel like that's a win-win that's awesome absolutely um yeah that that blows my mind i haven't seen a lot of people do that but i think that's wonderful and i like the idea of the meat thermometer. And I've seen companies like ButcherBox, for example, I mean, they're like one of the biggest out there. Um, They do what they like. If you, if you buy a box, you get like two pounds of ground beef every time. I mean, consumers know how to buy ground beef. So that's like a freebie. So it's like, you're going to get that and you're going to try all these other meats. So the hook there is the ground beef. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of strategies there and different techniques Mm -hmm. they're using. They do, they do a great job with it. I think they were doing the uh, free bacon or something too, for a year, if you oh, yeah. signed mm-hmm. up or something like that with them. And, you know, so they're, they're using a lot of the same strategies that I teach inside my program about, you know, growing that email list. Like you said, hooking people on, getting them onto the next product. Um, obviously they're bigger and they're, they're at a pretty large scale. So they're able to, you know, their, their margins probably look a little different than a lot of farmers. So they're able to kind of play around some there, but there's a lot of value in, you know, paying attention to, you know, what they're doing, how they're marketing, what type of offers they're offering. Um, at the end of the day, that's, that's a, that's a really big deal. Um, I, there's, you know, there's something I want to share, you know, too, I've I've jumped around a bunch about some of the different things I was doing and I, and I'd love to share about websites and landing pages. Oh, please. Um, Yes, absolutely. I I love to geek out (laughs) over websites and all the guests I have on, I like to check out the websites and see how optimized they are. So please talk about websites and landing pages. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, I just, you know, we jumped, we jumped around the pre-sold season. I think I mentioned landing pages and I just wanted to clarify because I don't Mm -hmm. know that, you know, everyone necessarily understands what, what, what's meant by a landing page. Um, and, and, and nor should they, right? I mean, farmers have never needed to learn these things. These are things that I mm-hmm. kind of accumulated, um, over a decade of marketing and, you know, running businesses and doing, doing all different kinds of things. Um, so when we think about a traditional website, right, I, I typically think about, you know, that menu that's got that about us page. It's got maybe a shop page. It's got a contact page. There's all these different things. Right. And then you're going to land on what we're going to call like the homepage. Typically the homepage, you know, might have images, different things on there, but it, it doesn't always have products and it doesn't mm. always have everything there. And so just the world that we're living in, I, I, um, you know, I've, I read this book the other day. I don't know if you've read it. It's Brandon Kane's book, that hook point book. Mm-mm. No, I haven't. You should, you need to get it, get it. Brandon. Okay. Hook point. Um, Got it. Just, you, you need to read that Trevor. If you guys are listening, you guys need to read that so much good stuff in there. And really, so the thing is how to stand out in a three second world. Right. So mm. uh, he talks a lot about just, you know, how to hook people, um, and how to grab their attention. Um, and in an authentic way, right. Something he talks about is the difference between clickbait and a hook, right? A hook hooks them to bring them to something authentic and real and of value mm. that matters to them. Clickbait is like, it grabs your attention. You click on it. And then like the article is not even about what you clicked on. Right. It's just, it's garbage. It's, there's no, there's no substance to it. Um, and so when we look at a website, we want to optimize them, you know, in a way to not only hook people, but keep them on there, keep their attention because we do have something as farmers to, to offer them. Right. Um, and so if we're looking at like that traditional website, it just typically does a poor job. If we're thinking again, I, I always talk about that mom, you know, she's in the, you know, she's in the, you know, carpool line, picking her kids up. Maybe she's, you know, scrolling through social media. Maybe she clicked on a link. Maybe she saw an email from you, whatever the case might be. She hops over to your website. 
She's kind of scrolling through the homepage. She clicks on the menu. She doesn't quite know where to go. The worst thing that can happen is that she clicks on a third party. She clicks buy now and goes to some third party page, like a barn to door looking <laughs> page or, you know, one of these other things and then off site to something that you don't even own. Right. Which is just, please guys don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she does stay on your page, it sometimes is tough to find, you know, where to buy. And then if everything's right there. So the idea of a landing page, it's just an extension of your website. It's another page that is hosted on your website. The idea of a landing page though, is that you can get everything typically in a, in a few scrolls, right? Everything that you need. So information about this farm, maybe their farming practices. And we're talking about, you know, little snippets. We're not talking about big, huge, long paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some different products that this farm offers, maybe some different products that can even be purchased right there from that landing page. But essentially all the information someone needs to simulate, to know about you, know your farm, get a little bit of an idea about, you know, some of the value values you have and, and that sort of thing. But then also what it is you're, you're, you know, you're producing and what's obviously for sale. And so a landing page, if we're going to be really strategic, We're going to build landing pages around offers, around products and around people. We're going to, you know, segment. So segment is just kind of a fancy marketing word of like breaking down your customers into, you know, different demographics, right? If I get that homeschooling mom, I might have a different landing page that I send her to than I have that barbecue grilling enthusiast who Mm. I'm trying to sell my, you know, brisket and, you know, Boston butt package to, you know what I mean? Box that I'm, that I'm selling, you know, or whatever that Mm -hmm. looks like. And so my landing pages, then I can start to customize them. They're actually built for my specific users. Right. So again, I I keep going back to the, to the homeschool mom or the mom who's got the kids and she's got the family and she's wanting to provide for them and, you know, building out a landing page that's speaking to her, that she's feeling connection with. Right. Um, And so that's kind of, the difference in websites and landing pages. I hope I, you know, kind of touched on that a little bit, but I think it's big because at the end of the day, what you're going to see, we're going to, we're talking about conversion rates, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of farmers think, you know, they're going to get a website and they're going to, you know, all of a sudden, boom, sales are going to start rolling in. And that's just not the case. If you don't have a, a strategy for driving traffic to that website, nothing's going to happen. Right. So if you do develop a strategy, whether that's paid advertising or organic content or whatever that looks like, that 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 traffic now that we're paying for either with our time in creating content or through paid advertising, we're going to have a certain conversion rate, right? For every mm-hmm. hundred people or thousand people or whatever, how many of them are buying? And if we have a web page, a home page that's tough to navigate, or they're jumping off and we're sending them to some other you know thing that's got another hoop they got to jump through, right? It's confusing. They look at the URL and it's not even your URL anymore, um, and you know this whole thing, right? then our conversion rates are going to, they're going to suffer. They're going to decrease. If we've got a page that's optimized, we talked about those cold prospects, turning them into warm prospects. If we're putting mm-hmm. these warm prospects on a page, talking to them about things we already know they care about and putting products in front of them they're already seeking in a super convenient way, all in one scroll, we're going to watch those conversion rates you know, increase. So I think that's something that's really big. I know, you know, building out your own website, um, you know, websites in general. I know, Trevor, you said you like to nerd out on it. I, I would imagine most farmers that are listening do not like to nerd out about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think this, this the simple key takeaway here is if you can keep, if you can keep, um, if you think about it almost like a, you know, almost like a magazine, 
you know, when you open up a magazine, right? It's like, you don't want to have to flip through every single page just to find something like what you were looking for. If you can flip to one page, mm-hmm. one page, it's got like, it's got that headline, you know, it's, a, it's got that hook that hooked you in, but it's got a little information on there. You know, you're, you're now aware of what you're reading and what you're looking at. And then it's got what you're looking for on there and the information, it's all kind of right there, right? That's what we kind of want to do with our website. No, that's all perfect. I'm very guilty. I don't think I have a good landing page on my website. And I mean, the the keyword you said there is convenience. I mean, when somebody visits your website, they don't want to have to, they don't, they don't have a map to figure out what page to go to. They want it to be as convenient as possible. And if they're, like you said, like that mom looking for a good chicken or whatever, they want to see it right there on the top of the website. They don't want to have to like pick apart the website. So having a landing page is a great idea to kind of further filter them into those demographics that you might have, whatever that is. That's perfect. Yeah. So like in part of the, part of the system that I, that we we've put together and in, in through my course and my coaching, it, again, if we have, I'll go back to that mom, but you know, just kind of reiterating some of the things we're saying, if, if you've got them right, you, they've already been in your email marketing for two or three months, right? If I'm going to send them a link in my email, if I'm going to, if I'm going to send them an email, now I'm going to, I'm going to throw in selling solutions and not products right here, but if I'm going to send them an email about our new chicken bone broth, right? First of all, I'm not going to title it new chicken bone broth, you know, in stock. I'm going to title it. Hey, are you looking for a way to heal your gut or to improve your gut health? Our chicken bone broth is a great way to do that. Right? So I'm, now I'm speaking to her, something that she cares about improving her own personal health. I'm putting my product as an option to do that. That's the email I'm sending her. And there's a link, right? Now I'm going to put a link in there. Am I, is that link, am I going to send her to my homepage? Am I going to send her to my barn to door page? No, I'm going to send her to a landing page that is built specifically to the offer that I already spoke to. And I'm going to see conversion rates, you know, be much, much higher. Now, I mean, as somebody that that runs a website, like, do you need to keep tabs on those, on those landing pages and like further adapt them? Because you don't want somebody going to a landing page that, you know, the offer maybe doesn't stand anymore. So how up to date do you need to be with those landing pages? Yeah, you know, so, you know, there's several, um, you know, something that, you know, we, that I offer in the course is actually, so I, I told you, we, we build out on the Shopify platform, um, little mm-hmm. plug for Shopify. I get nothing for this. If you guys are looking for somewhere to build your farm website or maybe swap or looking for something, look to Shopify. There's so much free, great content out there. Um, all the biggest farm brands are on there. I mean, I've, I got the white oak hashers pad hat on. There you um, go. They're on Shopify. Five Marys is on Shopify. Um, all the big brands are on Shopify. It's the biggest e-commerce platform in mm. the world. So it's got all the tools that you need. Um, it's super user friendly. And so I actually was able to make a template of our landing pages, our files, our website, all those things. So anyone who joins the course, or, you know, does my coaching, they get the template file that they can upload. That's got all these different landing pages. And now some of the landing pages are more permanent landing pages. Like we talked mm. about, like we've got different opt-in pages. If we're doing giveaways for products, trying to build up our email marketing list, you know, those landing pages, you know, they kind of exist. They're not linked to the homepage. So if you, if I sent you a link to the homepage, you wouldn't be able to find them because they're just unlinked. Right. Someone mm-hmm. would only get those if they're, you know, signing up for a giveaway or, you know, whatever that looks like. Other landing pages are more permanent. Um, so maybe maybe they wouldn't be a tick, you know, a landing page. They might be more of like a sales page and we can use them more permanently. But like you said, you know, offers change. I'm not going to make a landing page for every single email I send out. That's just a ton of work. Um but we're going to be strategic about how we set those up. And it's just, it, it's kind of, it ebbs and flows and there's definitely changes and there's different, you know, different cases that it can be, you know, both or stay the same. 
So I just thought about this. Have you tried to incorporate ChatGPT and other AI products into this whole thing? Yeah. So <laughs> I have a product that I would love to come out with um, using AI and ChatGPT. I think it would be really great for farmers in the farming community. Um, mm -hmm. As far as this, um, you know, building out the funnels and that sort of thing, you know, I haven't, I haven't, have you, I haven't personally been on any of the like AI funnel builders. I don't know if you, I, I mean, I've had chat GPT. I've prompted chat GPT to like, you know, build me like a hierarchy of a funnel and, you know, seen some of the stuff it can do and it does a good job. Um, I'm not always super pleased with it, but it at least gets me a good starting point. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of like a really, it's like a really, really strong brainstorming session that I can work off of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially. Mm. Yeah. I haven't, I know there's a lot of AI out there that will build landing pages, you know, based on a lot of the things we're talking about. Um, but I, I haven't dove into, I don't know if you have. I haven't either. I, yeah. I've only done chat GPT and then I use notion for, um, all of my podcasting stuff and it's got a built in AI and I didn't know this, but, um, it will obviously it like tracks your notion database. And I was like, Hey, notion, help me come up with a good, um, social media content strategy yeah. and it published one and it was like on thursday share farm tours on friday share what consumers should know about farmers i was like oh this is actually pretty good and so you, yeah like you said it's kind of like a glorified brain set like brainstorming session where you can go off of there like um yeah. i wonder if you know if more people could use that because chat gpt is good but you've got to use it the correct way like you said and i didn't know this for the long the longest time but You've got to prompt it to ask you questions so it can give you more precise answers for what you're looking for. So yeah, maybe people can use it a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think there's a there's a definitely a lot of value in, you know, when we start looking at like email marketing and you, you said social media um, mm -hmm. and creating that content, you know, chat GPT is great for that, um, <laughs> especially like you said, if you're prompting it well and you're, you're getting it to understand what it is you do and you produce and you're offering, it can do a really good job, you know, giving some stuff. Um, I, you know, I, you know, I, I go back and forth on it. Sometimes, sometimes I, I'm like, man, I need chat GPT. It's going to help me get this email started. Other times I'm like, <laughs> chat GPT is not my friend. It did not do good for me last time. I can write yeah. open chat GPT 10 and I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. That, that's funny. It, it, it's pretty much pass fail. Sometimes I have it redo a, an email for me and I'm like, that is awful. And other times I'm like, that's spectacular. So yeah. yeah. Hit or miss. Yep. Yep. Well, Mike, this has been awesome. Um, but before we let you go, obviously tell us, you've told us a ton about it, but tell us more about your coaching and about your course. It's over at directfarmroadmap.com. That's right. So, um, you know, I'm actually, I've been, I've been doing a little bit of coaching for a while, um, mm -hmm. for a few months now. So the coaching's, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, it's a four month program. You get weekly calls with me and we walk you through what I call the direct farm roadmap, which is a step-by-step -step guide to implementing all the things that we talked about. So, you know, all the funnels, email marketing, setting up your website, all these things, I kind of am your personal guide through that. And we walk through that. Um, what I've been working on for the last, you know, talking about, we started this conversation talking about online courses, digital courses. I've been working on this course for about two years, uh, ever since okay. I really started, you know, really diving into the farming community, put a lot of content into it, a lot of work into it. I'm actually super excited because I am announcing um, today really figured out, I'm actually, get, I think after this, I'm going to get ready to go on, um, uh, go make a reel about announcing mm -hmm. this. We're going to, we're going to launch the course on November 17th. So oh, heck gonna, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to launch that course. 
um, with a free live training for anyone who wants to um, join that live training. We're going to dive into all the systems, a lot of things that I do that are going to help your farm, you know, sell more retail products and ultimately earn more profit for the farm. And through that live training, I'm going to do a special offer on November 17th where we're going to do, you know, we're going to start with the course at $4.99. Um, just so you guys that were curious how much that was going to cost, there you go. Um, but on November 17th, we're going to do a steeply discounted rate for that on the training on that live launch date. Um, so if you guys are interested in joining that training and getting a chance to get access to that, uh, I've got a link here and it's www.directfarmroadmap.com slash training. That link, you can drop your email and I'll make sure that you get hooked into our email marketing and you get all the invites. Um, I'm actually dropping some sneak peeks of the course um, through that drip email as we build up to the 17th. Um, and so the course, essentially, I go from A to Z in covering everything that a farm would need to sell. I mean, I literally start with, you know, how to pick out a farm name, how to, you mm -hmm. know, do the very, very basics, right? all the way through, you know, working through some of your brand stuff, working through setting up all of your email marketing, setting up your automated software for your emails. You get all of our templates for our proven emails. We set up your website. We go through step-by-step -step how to set up Shopify, how to do all the fulfillments, how to, you know, make any changes. Like I mentioned, you get that zip file. That's a, you know, upload file that you can upload into Shopify. So you've got a theme file, which is basically kind of like a, um, building block, if you will, to kind of work off of. So you're not starting from zero when you build your site. It's a little more plug and play when you have that. Um, mm -hmm. And then we go all the way through paid advertising. So we dive into the full funnel. We go how to, you know, run, you know, profitable Facebook ads for farmers. I, that's something that, you know, is a whole world of its own. Um, when, we, when we look at, you know, retargeting ads, like, you know, if you get on Instagram or Facebook and you, you were on a website and you see another ad that came from somewhere, they're retargeting you. So I teach farmers how to do that for their farm brands, how to hook people into those funnels, go from cold prospects to warm prospects, you know, at the end of the day, make more sales. So we kind of, we cover a lot in the course. I think it's right now it's over 30 modules and over like six hours of total video content. Um, that's a lot of content. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a bunch of stuff in there. Um, I actually just got done with my promo video. So Trevor, I want to send it to you just, just for you to see, um, nice. You okay. Let me know what you think. Preview. Of it. It's preview. Will preview. Do. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we're going to, we're going to roll out. I'm really excited about this. And, um, you know, like I said, I want to be able to help as many I think, I think, and I'll, I know I've said a lot, but I'll say this, um, one last thing. I think for so long, farmers never needed these skills. Um, mm -hmm. they just weren't necessary. And so they never had to learn them. And I think I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough, just had the background of learning these skills and I'm trying to package it in a box and hand it with as much value with everything that I've learned to farmers to be able to implement all these strategies, you know, to, to grow their farm brands. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're giving them such a great product. I mean, it's a great investment for them to I mean, future proof the business almost to, to like change how it's going and also like to give them more power in, you know, how they're marketing and how they're, I don't know, like reaching their customers. So this is huge. I'm, I'm so excited that the algorithm let me find you. And I really hope that, you know, I mean, this is a lot of really, really valuable content that farmers and ranchers around the country are going to get. So I'm excited to see um, this new course and everything launch, man. I'm, this is a lot of great nuggets and wisdom. And I'm going to have to get with you after the interview because I've been toying with the idea of starting like something kind of similar to this. So we'll yeah. have to talk after. Oh, I, but, um, I'd love to share. 
Yeah, but Mike, so, thanks so much for being on, man. Best of luck. We'll have to, I'll include the link that you mentioned in the description as well as some links to those videos that you mentioned. But thanks so much for being on, man. And thanks for what you do. Yeah, thank you, Trevor. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Mike for coming on the show and thank you so much for listening. If you're a farmer and a rancher and you want to check out Mike, I highly encourage you to do so. Go check out the website in the description of this episode to sign up for his courses and to connect with him and learn more about how you can sell online. If you are new here, consider subscribing over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can do that either on your favorite podcast player or go to our website, thefarmtraveler.com. It's got all the links you'll ever need to listen to all the Farm Traveler content. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv